Well, thank you, Katie, for that beautiful song. Thank you, Shane. Good morning, church. How y'all doing this morning? Well, I had someone in the first service say, after the service, they came up to me and they said, there are some moments this morning during the sermon where I just wanted to say amen. We can do that. You can say amen here. If the Lord is working on your heart, hey, be vocal about it. I came in here this morning, and usually we have a, a prayer time in the connections room at 830, uh, and today it was standing room only. People were excited and was so thankful, uh, very encouraging this morning. And, and this morning, my title of this sermon is called The King Has Come, Why Today's Christmas Matters. And I would love just to set the foundation this morning uh, with Isaiah's prophecy, Isaiah's prophecy in chapter, or, uh, Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. So if you have your Bibles, why don't we turn there and set the foundation for this morning? Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. It says this, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end, and he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is Isaiah's prophecy of a coming king that would redeem the whole world, canceling out sin, overcoming death, and who would reign on David's throne from that time on and forever. Isaiah's prophecy spoke of a Christmas that would come that would change everything for us. Isaiah's prophecy spoke of a child, a son that would be given, who would be the change for us, for the world. Isaiah's prophecy was fulfilled approximately 740 years before the birth of Christ, this was spoken. And that child came, and we see that in Luke 2, but that child is now a king, and he has come today. And today we will look at why Christmas matters, and Christmas for Christians now is the celebration that the king has come. Church, the lights are beautiful and the trees are great and if you love those Hallmark movies, they're a delight, aren't they? But the real reason for the season is that the king has come and he is doing a lot of things and we're gonna look at three things this morning that the king has come on mission to do. The first thing, he has come to set the captives free. The second thing he has done, he has come to build his church. And the third thing he is doing is that he is ruling and reigning. So I ask you to lean in with me this morning. Move to the end of your seat. Sit up and take notice. Because the king may be coming for you. Let's pray. God, your word says that you dwell among the praises of your people. And we've been singing to you this morning. We know where two or more are gathered, you are there in the midst. We have not forsaken the gathering. We have not hardened our hearts. God, we ask that you would come to minister to us through your word. And I have full confidence that your word will do everything it is intended to do today. By the power of your spirit and with the authority of King Jesus, we submit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I have good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This Christmas, the king has come, and today, he may be coming for you. 
Christmas is the season, at least commercially, where we try to find the right gift, the best gift. This last week, I've been to the mall multiple times with my daughter, Bella, the OC Center, or the Oshawa Center, and it's been busy. How many of you have been out trying to shop? It's been really busy out there, especially going over to Costco. And as you're walking through the hallways, you'll see the promo, at least at the OC Center, that is up on the walls that says, give a gift that they will love. We're out searching for gifts that people will love. It says, give a gift that people will use. We want to find gifts that won't just sit on the shelf or people will just dismiss. So useful gifts. And we sometimes are, are we, they're using the promo, give a gift that they will enjoy. And as Bella and I are strolling through the, through the hallways, passing by every decorated storefront, each merchant is trying to get your attention to come in and buy things. And sometimes we walk into these stores and we see sales and we walk in and we're thinking, oh, I'm not really going to buy anything. And you walk out overspending. And how many of us do that at Costco? Like I go in now with no cart, but I've learned that they are strategically leaving empty carts around. Because I'll go in and I'll be like, I'm going to get something real quick. And I'll end up $450 later when all I wanted was batteries. And maybe you have come in here today not expecting what God may do. And the king may be coming for you here this morning. So I want you to consider something this morning. I want you to consider this statement. What if God wants to give some of you a gift this Christmas season? What if God wanted you to come in here today and you're not even expecting what God is going to do, but he has brought a gift for you to pick up. He has a gift for you to offer. You see, today's Christmas matters because the king has come and what he's doing all over the world is setting captives free. Jesus is not a little baby anymore. He is a king and he is ruling with all authority, both on earth and in heaven. And this king, I believe, wants to help his believers, his children, in regards to our struggle with sin. And we know that sin is, the definition of sin from the Bible is missing the mark. It's not hitting perfection. And we all sin. It's fair to say that all Christians sin and all Christians battle with the flesh. But some of us may be here this morning coming in and we feel like there is no hope to get rid of some of the things that are going on in our lives. Sometimes you've maybe prayed and asked God, but you still go back to these old cisterns that keep you trapped as as almost like a slave in bondage to this thing that you keep running back to. I think it's fair to say that lots of people struggle That as a Christian, you can love God, but you can step into a foothold. And sometimes you can keep going back to this and and it can master you. So I believe today, God may want to free some people here from habitual hidden sin. And I don't want to condemn you and I don't want to judge you. But I, I hope that as you lean in with me this morning, I can offer you two truths when it comes to battling hidden sin. One is that God knows. And the second is God sends. The first one, God knows. God knows our lives. As a young Christian, I I used to think that was a little creepy, don't you think? Like, God knows everything. He sees everything. That's weird. He sees me when I'm alone. He sees me when I'm doing things that aren't appropriate. Like, he sees everything. But as I've grown up, I've learned that the sovereignty and the providence of God is good. It is good for me. It is good for the world. It is good that God knows and that he sees because God is a God that intervenes. He helps. 
That's the God we serve. He's not one who is created for six days and then took a rest and then took a big break. He actually cares what's going on. So for those of us who are in Christ and those of us who are loving Christ but we're battling with habitual things that are going on in the background, I want to tell you that God knows. And if you look at the Bible and what the Bible speaks about, you're going to see that God actually just not knows what's going on, but he cares. We see this as an example in, in, with the people in Egypt. In Exodus 2, let me read this to you. We see this example. It says, During those many days the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of the slavery, and they cried out for help. Their cries for rescue from slavery, they came up to God. God is getting multiple updates daily. And God heard their groaning, and it says that God remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. I love this verse. It says, God saw the people of Israel, his people, and God knew. I love the passage that God hears the cries for rescue from slavery. The prayers come up to God, and God saw the people. God knows. God knows your struggle. He hears our honest prayers that we pray. And when you get to the, the, the place where you are just done, you're done with the sin, you're done with this thing, you keep going back to it, and you just, wanna, you just want freedom, you just want rest from it, but it seems like you just can't break free, I want you to know that Christ provides freedom. And if you are trapped by a sinful pattern and you're done living this way, I have good news for you. Our God knows not just that our God knows, our God sends. We see this pattern that God not only helps, or not only hears and sees, but he sends and helps. And we see this even in the story of the people of Egypt. Moses was out one day. He wasn't thinking about God. He was out tending his father-in-law's sheep, and then God shows up. Because he heard the cries of his people, God sent someone to help. And I believe that God does that for us as well. When we cry out with a serious attitude before the Lord and we want to be done with something, he will send someone. We see that with Moses and his brother. There is this battle in Egypt over God's people. You know the verse, let my people go. Let my people go. So there's this battle that goes back and forth. It's not always easy sometimes, but God sends. That's not the only example. If you go over to Isaiah 66, we also see another example. It says, when God's chosen people were, were messing up and they were living in sin, God sent Isaiah to help the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. And Isaiah 61.1 says this, the spirit of the Lord God was upon me because the Lord had anointed me. And he had a job to do. Isaiah had a job to do, to go to God's people and say that there was hope. And he says this in the scriptures. He says, my job was to bring good news to the poor. This good news to the poor wasn't the financially poor. This was the poor in spirit. This was to people that were in bondage. These were God's chosen people that were not looking to the heavens. They were just, just doing life and giving into their flesh. And God sends Isaiah to them. And he says, to bring good news to the poor, not only that, he's, he's been commissioned. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Christmas is a hard season for many. 
especially when we lose loved ones or there's difficulty in our families. Some of you are probably thinking, man, I I don't know what I'm going to do next week. I got family coming over and it's going to be tense with this couple or this person. And maybe your heart is a little bit wounded. God sees that. God knows that. We even see in the scriptures that he even sent someone who loved him to bind up the brokenhearted. So I think that's a truth for us today. I know that is a truth for us today. That if your heart is a little, a little broken, there's, there can be some binding for you. Isaiah was also to proclaim liberty to the captives. For those who were, who were feeling like there is no hope, there is a message that was coming. There is hope for you. And he, was, and he would come to opening the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Some of us who, who are bound in sin feel like we're in a prison and there is no hope for us. But that's not true. Because God knows and God sends, sends. And God knows our struggle and he hears our honest prayers that we pray to break free. He sees that we want freedom. And if you're trapped by a sinful pattern and you're done living this way, have go- I have some good news for you. God knows, God sees, and God sends. Not only that, our amazing God, he frees. True freedom is found in Jesus Christ. See, God sent Jesus to break the chains of sin and to set people free. And if you are set free by Jesus, you are free indeed. We know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But when that son came down and he was teaching, he actually said this in John 8, 36. He says, Jesus answered them. He's talking to his disciples. He says, truly, truly. I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Look at that word practices. This is not just a one-off or I made a mistake or the sin of omission. This is a practice that you have in your life. You're going back to these things on the regular. It says, Jesus is calling this out. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. But look at this hope in verse 35. It says, the slave does not remain in the house forever. Some of us feel like the slave will remain in the house. We will be, remain trapped in this position forever. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. For those who have Christ and who've been set free by Christ, he actually says, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. See, God knows and God sends and the king has come to set captives free. And may, he may be coming for you this morning. He sees your life, he knows what's going on, he sees the things you're doing, and he's bringing hope. Not only does he know, but he sends, and he will break those chains. Here's the truth, church. Jesus has broken the curse of sin and death with his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. Every one of us born a sinner, missing the mark, and we're all in need of rescue. Christ is the rescue for us. But we can commit ourselves to Jesus as our king, but in our flesh, be trapped by habitual sin. There is this, this weird balance that happens. The sin nature. Even as Paul pleads out, this wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death. How many of us have cried those same prayers? God, why can't you help me? Where are you? Who will redeem me? Who will deliver me? Jesus will deliver you. And how do I know this? Church, turn to 2 Peter 1.3. 
Second, you need to see it for yourself. You gotta get your Bibles open and you have to see it. Second Peter 1.3 is the answer because we have this fleshly nature, but also you're gonna see something real beautiful in this passage. Second Peter 1.3 says this, his divine power, him being God, Jesus, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us the precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. So he's setting this up. He's saying that there is a flesh nature and a divine nature. And if you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. There is still this flesh battle that happens, but there is also this divine nature that God has given us the opportunity. He has given us a, a, a promise to, for us to be able to tap into a divine nature. And it says, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of our sinful desires, we are drawn to comfort. We are drawn to things by our flesh. And sometimes we put more trust in our heart versus more trust in the Bible and what it says. It goes on and it gives us some application in verse five. It says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. We know that God gives us faith to believe. He grants that. That's given to us by God. If you're a believer, God gave you the faith to believe. He was the one that woke you up. He was the one that called you from death to life. He's the one that has given you the spirit so that you will be able to understand his word. He's done all that. But look what this word says. It says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. There's a working here. We are working with the spirit. We are working with God. He is calling us to do our part. It says that we are called to add virtue and with virtue, knowledge. And with knowledge, self-control. And with self-control, steadfastness. And with steadfastness, godliness. And with godliness, brotherly affection. And with brotherly affection, love. These are the things that we are adding. We are, we're in partnership with the Spirit, adding these things. And if we do that, church, look what, look what verse 8 says. For if these qualities are yours and they are increasing... So working together, obeying Jesus, applying these things, there will be a great result. They will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when we battle our sin, we forget that God has set us free. Sometimes we will turn to this broken cistern that we keep running back to and we feel like we have to go there. No, you do not. If the king sets you free, you are free indeed. And this passage is saying there is an out for you. There is a hope for you. There's a hope for me. There is a hope for us in Christ Jesus. But if you keep forgetting, you're, you're living out verse nine. Look what verse nine says. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he has been cleansed from his former sin. We just forget about the truth. We forget about the power. We forget about the divine nature that we've been granted access to by his promise. And what do we do? We run to these things that leave us broken. We run to these things that fill us with guilt. We run to these things that separate us from God. And what happens usually is we stop praying. We feel so guilty, full, 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 full of shame. You let that pattern continue. You stop coming to church. And eventually you're moving far away from God. Why does this Christmas matter? I want to declare because the king has come and he has heard your cry. And he knows. 
Even if you haven't cried out to God, I, I, I beg you to cry out to God because the king has come and he continues to make a way for you to live in the divine nature, giving you the power that only comes from God to say no to sin and to yes to his great plans for your life. And we're gonna talk about those great plans in a little bit. If you are willing to get this out of your life, if you're at a point where you're saying, I'm done with my sin and you cry out to God, he will help you. Isn't that good truth, church? But it's time to go to battle with your sin. It's time to go to battle with your flesh. The word says that God promises to set the captives free. And if we have everything, and we have everything in Christ for that to be accomplished, you cry out to God and he will send his redeemer to help you and he will invite you to armor up and go into the battle. And maybe you're here and thinking, like, you don't know my life. You don't know what I'm into. You don't know the things that I'm doing. I don't. But I say if you were to write all your things on a big roll of paper, I'll borrow borrow it from the kids' ministry, big, huge thing, roll of paper, write them all down and roll them down this, this aisle this morning. But if you're in Christ Jesus, he covers you with his righteousness. There is one that speaks on our behalf. If you do sin, you go to Christ and you confess your sins and he will forgive you. But a lot of us think that it's just God, please do this. That's not how God works. God can do that, but God would rather, as God the Father sent the Son to the earth, God the, Jesus wants to come into our mess with us so that we can see that he, has never, he doesn't leave us, he doesn't forsake us, he is coming into our mess and he wants us to trust him. He will walk with us. He will give us the power to overcome. He'll give us the power to say no to sin in our life and we will experience the freedom. And then when that happens, we testify that there is a God in heaven. God works with us in our pursuit of holiness. When we say no to the flesh and turn to the holiness pathway as mentioned in 2 Peter 1.3, it will keep you. It will keep me in, from being ineffective and unfruitful. Some of us continue to pray, God, do this. But God says, let's do this together, church. I will be with you and in you, and we will work this out so that you will see my power in your life. Why does this matter? Why does this Christmas matter? Because hidden habits halt holy progression. Hidden habits halt holy progression. It's time to move away from this way of living, and be free. And some of you came in here today, and I know that the Spirit may be pressing you right now. He's speaking to you right now. I remember coming to church when I was not saved, and I was sitting at the back of the sermon, I was sitting at the back of the church, and the pastor was preaching on grace, undeserved favor and merit, and the Spirit hit me like a ton of bricks. I didn't know what was happening. There was pressure in my church or in my chest and I knew that there was something I needed to do and I didn't know what to do. I, got st- I stood up and walked to the front right while he was preaching. Looking at the pastor like, what do I do? Maybe the spirit is speaking to you right now. How about this Christmas you ask God for freedom from the powders of sin? Don't you think we all have enough socks? King Jesus is bringing freedom this Christmas, brother. It's available for you today. If you will say yes to the invitation to battle against your flesh, he will show up. Church, can I just take a moment to testify? 
Just a little moment to brag on our God. As one of your pastors, I get a front row seat to the handiwork of God. This last year, I've personally seen people, dead people come alive. I've seen broken marriages restored. I've seen porn addictions broken, drug addictions removed, anxiety-ridden people find peace. I've seen depression replaced with joy. I've seen the grief-stricken made whole, brother, made whole. And I've seen the angry become soft. You see, the God I serve can do anything, and whatever you have going on in your life, he can help you if you turn to him. The king has come, and he offers freedom, and he is setting captives free. Let me pray. We need a prayer break for, for a moment. God, we just want to thank you for your, te- for, the, for your word this morning. I thank you that you are setting captives free. I thank you that you know that you send, that you care, that you're seeing people right now, and people maybe even speaking to you, saying, God, I want this out of my life. I pray that you would come and minister to them. I pray that you would call them to join you in the battle against their flesh. I pray that they would know and understand Ephesians 6 to battle, to armor up, to go into the battle every day. And if you do sin, if we do sin, there's one who speaks on our behalf, an advocate with the Father, our mediator, Jesus Christ. And if we're true to the Spirit, if we're true to the Word, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us. So God, I pray that you would come and minister right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus is bringing freedom. He is setting the captives free. And Jesus also is building his church. Number two, King Jesus is bringing the gift of purpose. I love the church. I love how it's designed. I love how God gives us purpose. Maybe you don't know, but let me just give, give you a little clarity on this. This Christmas, we need to make sure that we know and understand the importance of the church and its function within the kingdom of God and the world. It was Jesus in Matthew 16, 8 that said, I would build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I want you to think about this for a minute. I want you to think about a a train track. I want you to see a a train that is coming down the track and it is going full speed and that's the kingdom of heaven. And hell is trying to put up barriers on that track, but it will not be stopped. The kingdom of God is coming and it is coming fast. Let me testify to this. Everybody thinks that Christianity is in trouble. We are not in trouble. Everybody looks out in culture and says, oh, we are in trouble. You know what's in trouble? We're in trouble? Comforting Christianity is in trouble. But Christianity is not in trouble because our king is leading and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We can have full confidence that God is going to build his beautiful church. It is awesome. The church is great. It's something we should be excited about. The church is God's creation. The church belongs to God. The church is known as the bride of Christ. The church and Jesus go together. You can't love Jesus and not love the church. You can't love Jesus and ignore the church. You can't love Jesus and and refuse to be an active participant in the church. You see, the church submits to Jesus. The king has come to build his church, and he will not stand for people hurting or hindering or hating his bride. Any married men in this room? Put your hand up if you're a married man. What would happen if I come down to you, I try to hurt your bride, slander your bride, criticize your bride? I'm going to get a punch in the mouth. (laughs) As it should be. Same rings true for Jesus. He loves his church. As we read the word, he is building her up. 
He's protecting her. He's washing her with the word. He's making her beautiful. And to make it a little bit more personal, we, family, are the church. The word is ecclesia. means called out of darkness. We have been called out of darkness into marvelous light. The church has been given a purpose. It's beautiful. Those who've been saved from the coming wrath of God. We are the ones who look to our groom in willing submission, as Pastor Rick has taught us. We should be excited to submit to Jesus. See, the church submits to Jesus as the head. He is the leader. He is the one who has called us to keep us, to grow us, to work with us, to love us sacrificially. And we submit to Jesus as the leader. It is a sin to look away from our husband and to put our trust into anything other than his leadership and care. And it's just like our earthly marriages. We need to protect our covenant by staying focused and staying active in our relationship as the church. As Christ saves people, we need to be ready and active to be on mission, to work together, to make sure everyone is growing in Christ. One writer talks about the church like this. He says, as the body of Christ, us, Ecclesia, called out once, as we gather, here's our purpose. As the body of Christ, we comfort and we serve and we bear burdens and we exhort and we forgive and we sing and the church shows hospitality. We rejoice, we admonish, we pray, we teach, we commit, we encourage, we help and we speak truth in love. We do all this in ways that are beautiful and also difficult, sacrificial and also countercultural. We care for souls because God gave us the church to be his community of care. That's what we are. His word as our guide for care. His spirit as his strength for care. As pastors lead and members serve, God builds a renewed and unified community in the midst of a broken world. We do not need to fear our responsibility. We do not need to neglect our calling. Rather, we pursue this eternally valuable act of being the church. And we, as we do this, we become a culture of care. Aren't you excited about that's what we get to do? I am. See, church, did, God designs Christ as the, as the head. We are the body he gives us purpose. We have a part to play. In fact, Hebrews 10, 24, there's lots of stuff that we can talk about about the church. I can be up here for multiple hours talking about the church. I want to be, you want to have lunch. So I'll just pick a verse. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 helps us to understand our responsibility, our role. If you look at that verse, it says, let us, actually, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. When you quickly do a quick exegetical work, some exegetical work on this, you're going to see that the church cares for one another, the church works together, and the church meets together. And when you kind of take a, a, a closer look, you're zooming in a little. That's why I said lean in with me. The let us, that's the church. The church gathers. And when it says consider, really when you look at that word in the, in the original language, it actually means give careful attention. So we as the body of Christ, God is the head. 
we come together, we're the us, we need to give careful attention how to stir one another up to love and good works. The goal is to look for practical ways to actively and faithfully love the ones God is adding to the church and to personally stay focused on the task he is preparing each of us to do. That's our goal. God creates. Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand. That we should walk in them. See the church has a purpose. You have a purpose. Created in Christ Jesus. Good works. Do you know right now somewhere in heaven... I don't know the precise location of this, but there's an active duty list with your name on it for you. You have purpose. And when you're saved, you're given the Holy Spirit. You're given the ability to understand God's word. We know that we are created in Christ Jesus. When you're saved, he gives you a gift. The gift is only used within the body of Christ. So when you come in and you are part of the church and you're actually doing becoming an active participant there's things on this list somewhere that God has for you specifically to do and if you're in this local body you are to act those things out trusting in God you have purpose God has active work for us to do within the church and when we do that work he is prepared we bring glory to God and we walk in purpose How many of you were at the plays last week? It was amazing, eh? Yeah, you can clap for that. We had over 4,000 guests, 4,000 guests visit. It was amazing. But church, let me testify to something that you probably don't see. As one of your pastors working behind the scenes, we know that Pastor Jordan and Pastor Steve and, and Mike and the whole team, they work very hard for months pulling this together. But that week leading up and those times behind with the shows, I, act, I actively see the church working at full strength. When actors are coming off the stage and, and they're worried about their lines, people will pull aside and they would pray for them. We had people that weren't feeling the best. Prayer was happening. There were people outside in the lobby and in the parking lot welcoming guests. The choir were preparing, getting to know all the, all the words. They had like four or five dress changes that they had to go through. Everybody working together, not about themselves. It was all for a greater purpose, leading up to the gospel being presented. There was service happening. There was prayer happening. There was encouragement happening. There were all these things happening. Over 200 people working together for themselves? No, for the glory of God. Because we knew that there were 4,000 people going to be showing up and we're going to fill these seats and, and God had plans. That's what we get to testify. That's what we get to do as the church. It's not about individual. We have a personal walk with Christ and that's beautiful. But when we come together, we work together for the glory of God. And each of us are called to do that. Therefore, since there's so much here in the scriptures for us today, two things, let us be careful in what we say about the church. And let us be careful on how we approach our commitments to the church. See, the scripture says that some were in the habit of not meeting. Let me say this. We need to meet. We need to be together. We've been called out of darkness and placed into a family to love each other and to do what the scripture says. Encourage one another. This is such a rich passage. You need to be in church 
to be an encourager or to be encouraged. That's one of the things that I love about the church is one of the things, maybe you don't know your giftings, but one thing that all of us are called to do is to be an encourager. And there's sometimes I'll come into the church and I get the great opportunity to encourage others. I'll listen to stories. I'll pray for people. I was doing that this morning. I was looking for ways to encourage people in the hope that we have to trust Jesus and to push in. And there are other times when I'll come in here and other people just encourage me. They bless me. They pray for me. They help me see to stay sharp, to run the race, to not give up. It goes both ways. And it's one of the the beauties of the church. It's not just to come in, shake a hand, wave, and sit down. Take the opportunity to be an encourager. You don't know or understand sometimes how powerful that is. You're having a bad week. You're having a bad month. You're having a bad year. And someone walks by and just says, hey, I'm glad that you're here. I notice you. I see you. How can I pray for you? You know, that means the world to lots of people. That means the world to me. I'll say for Pastor Kelvin, that means the world for us. When you pray for us and you say, hey, keep going sharp. That's what the church does. We are encouragers. There are times when we get to encourage and there are times when we receive encouragement. Both are needed. Both are amazing. We all can do this. This is an assignment we are called to do and you can't do it if you're not here. The church is not something we attend. It's something that we are. We are the church. We are the ones that God rescued and redeemed and we have purpose. And the king is building his church and he is, saying, he is saving and he is placing people into our community. We don't know yet what has happened with the 400 souls, the 400 hearts that heard the gospel message. But I'm believing that God's gonna add more and more to our church and we need to be ready to welcome, to encourage, to help people along in their journey to look to Jesus, to obey Jesus, and to obey what Jesus has called us to do. Christ will add more and more to our fellowship, and let's be ready, church. And maybe you're here today, and you're not part of the active purpose of the church, and I'm not here to bring shame upon you. But if you're not doing your part, let me testify and say that you can. If you don't know your place in the church, let us help you. If you're not growing, let us connect you to the pathway of growth. See one of our pastors after the service. We will pray with you. We will get you connected. Fill out a connect card. Take it to the connections room. We will meet with you. We will call you. We will get you connected. God has given the church leaders to help the body function. We are here to help each other honor God. The king has come. And he is building his church, and it's exciting. And I hope you're excited about it. So God has come to set the captives free. God has come to build his church. And this Christmas, God has come to rule and to reign. Don't let the spirit of, don't let the spirit of fear grip your heart. No matter what you hear, no matter what you perceive based on the conditions in our culture, in the world, you need to know and understand that the king has come to rule and to reign. And Jesus, when he was with his disciples and it was coming towards the end and he's heading to Calvary very soon, in Matthew 24, four to seven, there's a warning that Jesus gives to his people, his disciples. And I think that warning applies to us today. 
Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. Verse five, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and they will deceive many. Verse six, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see that you, church, are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Verse 7 says that nations will rise against nations and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. So Jesus says, see that no one will lead you astray following after false leaders. Don't be deceived. As you turn on the news, as you go on onto your social media and you see that our world is broken. Yes, we know and understand that. You hear of wars We think of Ukraine, we think of Russia, we think of China. We hear these things that are happening. Jesus prepares his disciples saying, there will be hardship and persecution in our world. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and there will be earthquakes. And what this, this may do in your life, it may breed doubt. But don't be alarmed because King Jesus is ruling and reigning. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to our king. He will make his enemies his footstool. He is already seated in heaven. His father's plans are unfolding. Though we live in a world marred by sin, and within a world groaning for the Lord to come, I want the Lord to come back, church. I pray for the day that God would rend the heavens and come back, and that we would be with him, But there is a time and a date that has been set up and we don't know that. And the the responsibility and the role of the church is to make disciples. Not to freak out about the culture. You see, Jesus will come and he will judge. But for us, let's love, let's grow, let's encourage, let's be truthful with the word, let's call out sin, let's be the church. Christ is the great redeemer. And one of the things that we can hang our hats on today is that God will bring us divine peace. Where does our help come from, church? It comes from the maker of heaven and earth. I lift my eyes up to the Lord. That's where my help comes from. Christ is the great redeemer. He is the bringer of peace. Christ will bring all hostility towards Christianity to an end in his timing and in his way. But the church looks to Christ, but Christ will judge the world and all the deeds done within the creation. But as we look to Christ, God will give us a divine peace that will settle in our hearts. And we will be like the person that is found in Psalm 131. Do you know Psalm 131? It's a beautiful psalm. I'm gonna read it to you. It says, O Lord, My heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great or too marvelous for me. Verse two, but I've calmed and quiet my soul. When you see the word soul in the scriptures, it means your heart and mind. It means when they're aligned. We have the spirit and we have the soul. The soul is the heart and mind working together. And this is what we're seeing in here. But I have calmed and quiet my mind and my soul. I'm like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul, is my heart, is my mind within me. 
O Israel, God's people, hope in the Lord from this time forth and evermore. Did you catch that? From this time forth and evermore. That's the same thing we were reading in Isaiah 9. That God's rule and reign would be from this time forth and forevermore. It's the same wording. We need to hope and trust that that God is going to come. He is ruling and reigning. And this psalm is a beautiful testimony of peace that will occupy your hearts when we have the right focus. Our hope needs to be firmly placed in the truth that the king is ruling and we will be okay. Church, we're gonna be okay. There will be things that we don't understand. Yes, that it will be true. There will be things that we cannot explain. But he has not left us without hope. Psalm 131 teaches us that we can find comfort knowing that God rules and that we can, and that we can actually rest that knowing God is in control. We are counseled by the scriptures to rejoice in the Lord. We are counseled to be remembering, reminded that the Lord is near. You know the verse, Philippians 4, 6, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. We are going to God. We are remembering that he is ruling and reigning that he knows that he sends, that he is building his church. And when we do that, when we lift our eyes to the Lord church, this is what happens. Verse seven, and the peace of God. That's something beautiful. The peace of God that transcends all understanding. It will guard your heart and your mind. Heart and mind, soul. It will guard your soul in Christ Jesus. We experience divine peace because of the reign of Christ. And this Christmas, the king has come and he is ruling and he is reigning and Jesus Christ is bringing peace. How many of you need some peace this morning? As we close, let me wrap it up real quick. Are you in Christ? Is he the Lord of your life? Are you ready for the gift of freedom? Did you pray today and ask God to break the chains of this sin? And descend. And are you ready to, to step up and, and go into battle? Ephesians 6, write it down. Go and look at that. He gives you everything you need. It is a battle. He will work with you. It's not just Jesus, take the wheel. It's Jesus, I'm on 10 and 2, and you're on the bottom, and we're driving this together. Are you ready to be the church, actively using your gifts to love and to encourage others? You can do that. Has Jesus taken the authority seat of your life? And are you submitting to the rule and reign of King Jesus? I told you this morning that the king has come and today he may be coming to call you. Do not run away, do not walk away from this moment. Do not just put on your jacket, bundle up your scarf, looking all pretty and walk out that door. If you have the spirit pressing you, I would say run to him. He has the best gifts available This may be the best Christmas you ever had. No, nothing in this world will satisfy like King Jesus. Amen? The King has come. Let me pray. King Jesus, as we turn our attention to you now, come and apply your promises to our lives. God, I ask that you would hear our prayers of forgiveness, our requests for freedom, our excitement to be the church and to encourage and to make you the Lord and King of our lives. Come, Lord, and minister to us. I pray, God, that you would change us. 
Build your church, heal the sick, break free the captive, give purpose to the downcast. It's all in your scripture. We declare the king has come. We want to thank you for your word today. We want to sing to you, our dearest king, our praises of thanksgiving. We know that the Lord is near. We know that you dwell within the praises of your people. So please, Lord Jesus, come and do your work that only you can do. We love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, as we close today, I just want to share something personal. I even hate to admit this, but I hated Christmas growing up. I just despised it. I was so poor growing up in St. John. uh, I felt like every time Christmas would come around, I'd go back to school and everybody would have new shoes and new clothes, and we didn't get anything. And I always felt like I was forgotten about. But then I grew up, and I received a gift, the best gift ever. I received a gift that was given to me that I do not deserve, that was worked for very hard, that there was great sacrifice given on my behalf. And now, as, as a grown-up, as, as part of the church, I want to read this to you. I have to find my place. Something that I don't deserve, but now, as I'm growing and going forward, I know and understand, to us, a child was born. And to us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And we as the church, we will spend our lives together calling him wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. We as the church need to declare declare the greatness of his government. And with his peace, there will be no end. We need to remind ourselves of that. We can rejoice in the truth that he will reign on David's throne, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. I testify to you today. I've been given the greatest gift of all. I am his, and he is mine, and he, and he loves me, and I have not been forgotten. In fact, I've been redeemed. And I pray you too will open the gift of grace this Christmas and experience the peace and love of Jesus Christ. Those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Listen closely. The king may be calling you even now. Go to him. God, we thank you for your great grace even now in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a blessed day. Your pastors will be down front and in the connections room. If you would like prayer, we'd love to meet with you. Blessings.